And hello to you, and welcome to the Richard Nichols Podcast, the personal development podcast series that's here to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to be the best you can be. I'm psychotherapist Richard Nichols, and this is episode 171. It's titled Nudge Nudge. And if you're ready, we'll start the show. Welcome to a brand new month, pod fans. I wonder what this month is going to bring us. Better weather than last month, hopefully. Well, it looks like it. What was all that about? <laughs> that was June. Come on. That wasn't funny. Not when the rest of Europe had a crazy, crazy heat wave. Mind you, it looks like we're going to get a bit of it. So uh, about time too, because uh, June wasn't funny. The other week was Midsummer's Day. Didn't really feel like it, did it? Not where I was, anyway. It's picked up a bit now, but June was grim. But despite that, I still saw people out jogging, even in the drizzle. People still went to their park runs on a Saturday morning. They still got out there, and despite the weather, they exercised. Because we can't use the weather as an excuse to stop us doing the things we want to do. And actually, we don't, do we? No. We use it to stop us doing the things we don't want to do. It's like it nudges us in a particular direction and nudging and avoiding a nudge is quite important. If you've never heard of the phrase outside of a Monty Python sketch anyway, you will do now because to nudge in psychology means to subtly influence someone's behaviour, often without them even being aware of it, by altering the environment slightly and it's surprisingly successful. The most famous test of it was done at Amsterdam's Schiphol Airport, where they used a drawing of a housefly, a little fly on the men's urinals, to encourage the men to aim better. And it worked! It cut the cleaning costs because the blokes were aiming in the right place to prevent splashing. And there was an 80% less spillage. Gross, but nudging like this works so much better than just sticking up a sign that says... Will you stand still while you urinate, please? Because reading a sign and taking deliberate action uses conscious thought. And conscious thoughts are easy to override because, by their very nature, they're conscious. You're making a conscious decision to stand still and urinate in the same spot, and so it's just as likely that when you're making those conscious decisions, you could choose not to. So nudging is more subtle. Because it's it's pretty much outside of conscious awareness. It's the unconscious mind that's being nudged, not the conscious mind. You see, we have these shortcuts in our brain. They're often called heuristics that allow us to make judgments and decisions more efficiently. It's why stereotyping exists and even prejudice because of that. Because we use these mental shortcuts to categorise and classify people. We make assumptions about somebody before we've really met them. And these assumptions are not at a conscious level. So many experiments use nudges to influence participants in some research. With these in all sort of psychological stuff, there'll, there'll be some sort of nudging, whether it's because a large plate will make you eat more food or maybe something more significant like getting people back into work before their self-esteem gets any lower. For 40 years, the job centre here in the UK, they asked people who were unemployed 
What did you do last week? And they get answers. Often it's, well, I did my best. Turns out, if you ask them, what are you going to do next week? They get back into work sooner. Nudging really does work. That's why the UK government set up a unit called the Behavioural Insights Team, headed by a psychologist called David Halpern, to use nudge theory to improve government policy and save money. And it does. One amazing thing they did was change how the job centre sent messages about somebody's job interviews. It's really common for people not to turn up at job interviews for lots of lots and lots of different reasons. Too many to go into in a 15-minute podcast episode, but literally only one in ten would normally show up for their interview that the job centre had arranged. Turns out, if you treat someone as a human, they're more likely to think that they deserve a chance at getting a job. So instead of, here is your automated text message telling you about your job interview, you send them a message that says, Hi Jeff, it's Joan. I've got you an interview at B&Q on Friday at 1pm. Good luck. The amount of people that turn up for the interview goes up by 270%. Nearly three times as many people go to their interview. That's amazing. Now, the choice to go or not go was always there, just as the choice to choose an unhealthy snack over a healthier one in a supermarket is always there. But if the unhealthy one is on a higher shelf that we need to stretch for, and the healthier one is right there in front of us, we're actually way more likely to choose the banana over the hobnobs. It's sometimes called choice architecture, and sounds a bit manipulative, and actually, it is. But it's nothing new. Governments have been nudging us to behave in certain ways for decades. Things go on in our environment that make it seem as if it's our own choice to do something, when we're actually being nudged into it by somebody else. That's why we have white lines down the centre of our roads. Because prior to 1920, cars would go round corners and crash into each other. Our brain doesn't like effort. It likes decisions to be made easily and efficiently. Our brain uses way more energy than other animals' brains do. So it creates these shortcuts, these heuristics, so as to conserve energy. And we need to know that that's how our brain works, so that we can manipulate ourselves. If we can make decisions unconsciously that steer us to where we want to go, then we've got more strength of mind to achieve even more. Like the supermarket experiments. Having a fruit bowl in your kitchen, on a work surface, and biscuits in a cupboard will mean you're more likely to choose the fruit if you're peckish. That's why the UK adopted the idea of having cigarettes hidden from sight in shops, so that you're not nudged into buying them. But shops are still going to try and nudge you with their three-for-the-price-of-two stuff, even when you only wanted one anyway. Now you're walking out of the shop with three bottles of Lucozade you don't know what to do with and you haven't got the bus fare home. You want to be nudged into doing things that help you not hinder you. So if there's something you want to do, what can you do to make it easy for yourself? As easy as possible. If there's something you need to avoid, how can you make it more difficult to do it? If you know that writing in a journal for 10 minutes in the evening two or three times a week helps you with your mental health, then make it easier to remember to do it. Keep a notebook on your pillow so you actually have to move it out of the way before you get into bed. 
Maybe you want to get up half an hour earlier so you can go for a run before work. But past experience tells you that you'll probably just snooze the alarm and fall back to sleep. Then make it hard to do that. Put your alarm clock far enough away from your bed that you have no choice but to get up and turn it off. You're far less likely to snooze it and more likely to actually get up there and then. You still have a choice, but the default decision becomes the one you actually desire in the long run rather than the short-term gratification that comes from putting it off. Make it easy for yourself to become the version of you that you want to be. If you know that your smartphone contributes to you not achieving your goals, then deliberately keep it far away from you. Get into the habit of having it in a different room so that it's out of sight. Smartphones, they're a bit like bookmarks on your internet browser. Just right there. For you to go straight to it if you need to, without any efforts, just click, there it is. And if something is a drain on you, then it needs an extra step to do it. So that you can catch yourself easier and say, stop. What do I want to see happen right now? That's why things like freedom work so well. If you don't know what freedom is, freedom is an app that works for PC, Mac and iOS that blocks web traffic from sites you want to cut down on, like social media. It makes people more productive because although you can override it, it takes longer to go into the settings to change it than it would to gain the instant gratification from checking your Twitter notifications. So you end up doing something else instead because, yes, if you're writing an essay or notes for a podcast or a book, I speak from experience on all of those things, believe me, you need a break. Maybe only a couple of minutes, couple of minutes, but you need a break. But social media is designed to nudge us in ways that make them money and make us zombies. But if you need a break and you just stand up instead, if you go and get a drink of water and stare out of the window for just a few minutes, you'll get more done than if you logged onto social media or fell into a YouTube rabbit hole for an hour. If you can structure your life so that the best choice for you is also the easiest one, then you're going to succeed in achieving your goals a lot sooner and with more faith in yourself. Because here's some surprising news. Optimism isn't always a good thing. Too much optimism can create this background feeling that everything's going to be okay by itself. And it's not. It's okay because we make it okay. These things don't happen by themselves. Essays don't write themselves. Books and podcast episodes don't script themselves. But humans are naturally optimistic. And there's quite a bit of research into that because we want good things to happen to us. So we do have this optimistic bias that steers us towards the positive outcomes We overestimate things that go in our favour and underestimate the stuff that doesn't. Quick experiment for you. For those who live with someone and share the housework, especially if you're listening to this with them, that would be amazing right now. Because I want you to think, only think, don't mention it yet, but just think about the percentage of housework that you do. Somewhere between 0 and 100%. Obviously, that's how percentages work. How much do you do? Now, if when you add up the total between you, and it doesn't come to way more than 100%, then you're very much in the minority. 
because it almost always does. In the same way that 90% of drivers claim to be better than average at driving, and 65% of people report being of above average intelligence, you think, what? That's not how averages work. (laughs) It's often called in uh, social psychology illusory superiority, or the superiority bias. It even makes us overestimate our chances of surviving a serious illness. We genuinely do lean towards being better than average at surviving life-threatening conditions. When we don't have one, that is. If we do, we tend to shock ourselves into dealing with it realistically. But if we don't have any health problems, we genuinely believe that, well, if we did, we'd beat the odds. This is why, at worst, it could be so easy to not have treatment for something that could end up saving your life. Or, or at best, you're put off till tomorrow what could easily be done today. As is so often quoted, Do not wait to strike till the iron is hot, but make it hot by striking. And if there's anything you can do that nudges you in the right direction so that you can make the iron hot first, then do it. Even if all that means is getting a fruit bowl or putting your running shoes and jogging bottoms in plain sight, ready for the next day, or a post-it note on your bedside table that says, you are good enough. Sometimes that's all it takes to nudge you to where you want to be. So that's your homework for July. Nudge yourself along. Let me know how you get on, and if you enjoy this podcast series, please consider becoming a patron by going to patreon.com slash richardnichols. You don't have to subscribe to the $7 weekly episodes and hypnosis tracks level. There's a simple $1 per month level just to say thank you, if you like. And if you do, I'll be very grateful indeed. You'll be in good company. And if you uh, do want more episodes, then consider joining the $7 level. And Patreon will give you your own podcast feed address for you to copy and paste into a podcast app. I lost a patron recently. I don't know who you are, because the exit surveys are anonymous, otherwise I'd email you to help you out, but I lost a patron, because they didn't know that they could listen in an app, just like the other podcasts. And you can. For Apple devices, there's obviously Apple's podcast app, or Overdrive, that's quite good. And for Android, there's Podcast Republic and Podcast Addict, which are both great. Do let me know if you know of any other ones that are really good for putting private feeds in, and I'll I'll spread the word. Usually it's quite simple. You just copy and paste the feed in and it starts downloading them, going all the way back to 2011 that aren't available to the public anymore, as well as getting extra ones every Monday morning too. So I'll shut up about it for now. I'm not a salesman. But have a great month and I'll talk to you next time, folks. Bye!